0: 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be always ready, or be ready always, to give an answer to every man that seeketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Heavenly Father, I ask for your blessing upon the word. I ask, Lord, for your anointing upon my mind, my voice, my my spirit as I bring forth what I feel like you've given me for this morning and Father I pray that every ear will be anointed to hear and may you Lord receive the praise that's due your name as best we can possibly give it and let us mature, let us grow in you, let us move closer to your perfect will in our lives and we ask all this in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Next week, Lord willing, is Mother's Day, and uh, sister, sister Missy Hightower will be bringing forth the word. She's not done that in front of the congregation. That's all right. Go ahead and give her a hand. She she has not done that in front of the congregation, and she told me last week. She said, "I, I really feel I, I really feel a little bit uh, intimidated." Maybe that wasn't the word. But anyway, talking to men, and she said, I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there for you. She said, I really want to talk to their wives, and the men the men can just listen. And so I said, you know what? Go for it. She's feeling a calling on her life, and being Mother's Day, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity. Her mom's going to be with her, perfect opportunity to give her the opportunity to speak into her mother, but also uh, as a mother, from a, with a mother's heart, to speak to you. Uh, be sure and be here, we'll have gifts for all the mothers, even the guests will will receive a, a gift. So bring somebody with you. Uh, if they're a mother, they'll receive a gift. So we look forward to that. This morning, before I really get into the Word, I want to talk to you for just a minute. These are perilous times that we live in. Do you agree? Dangerous times, hard times, difficult times. The Word of God said these times would come. The Word of God told us that these times would come and The word says that the love of many will wax cold. I'm not, when I say what I'm getting ready to say, I'm not talking about anybody that's not here this morning, but the seats that we see empty represent someone that should be in the house of the Lord. It's not necessarily that they hate God or hate you. It's not necessarily that they have turned their back on God, the reason these seats are empty it's not because they are just fed up with church there, there's a lot of reasons that could that could be possibilities, but what I'm trying to say here is that we are all as the body of Christ under an intense attack, and there are some people who want to be here this morning, even and they're not able to for one reason or the other sometimes it's financial reasons there are some people who would who would be here this morning if they had the ability to to buy a car to get here. They don't have they don't have a way in here. Amen. God bless you sister. And I appreciate those of you who are picking up people and bringing them with you. I appreciate that very much. And there are people who are sick. And and they need they need healing and they would be here if they could, if they if their bodies were physically able. And there are people who, you know, one reason after the other. There are people who would probably be here if someone would just invite them to church and what i'm going to preach on today is about being ready to give an answer when someone asks you what the reason of hope is that's within you but i want us to understand in these dark times in these terrible hard times that seem to only be getting worse and the word of god tells us that they will grow worse amen in these hard times it's getting even less and less predominant prevalent, maybe is a better word, that people are asking you, why do you have hope? Why do you have such hope? I used to get asked that quite a lot. Why are you smiling all the time? Even when things are even when things are bad. And and I don't get asked that quite as much as I used to. And probably I would have, I would assume that you you probably are not getting asked that as much either. Is there anybody that would say that's the case for me, I'm not getting asked as many as much as I used to be? Several people. I want us to understand something. The world's looking at us, and what the world is seeing right now in much of the church, in much of the church, I, I don't know whether I can say most of the church, but in much of the church, what the, what the world is seeing when they look at us, they're seeing a people who, who claim to have peace, who claim to have victory, who claim to have power with God, who claim to be overcomers who claim to be able to stand and put on the whole armor of God when the wicked one is fighting against us and when the evil darts are flying. Claim to be all that, and I I hope that we are, and I believe that we are, but at the same time, what I see in much of the church, again, I say much of the church, is a people who are downtrodden, a people who seem to be walking in defeat, a people who won't celebrate, Jesus, and I know we celebrated Him this morning, and the Lord has been here in a, in a, in a great way, but it, it, there was not a freedom to worship like I really wanted to worship this morning. And I, I want you to understand, it's not about my style of worship or your style of worship, that's not what I'm talking about, not at all what I'm talking about. But I want us to understand that we come to this house, when we come into this house, we come here for edification. That's what the Word tells us. It's so that we can be built up. The Word even says, be built up in your most holy faith. We come here so that we can be built up. We come in here not only, though, to be just built up so we can go out and, and make it through another week. That's not what we're built up for. We're built up to be ministries that God can use. We're built up so that we can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And I want us to understand that the majority of the ministry doesn't happen in this house. The majority of the ministry happens out there. The majority of the ministry should be happening out there because we're coming here, we're being edified, we're being equipped, we're being sent out as the people of God going into the world. When you read about the move of God that happened in first of all addition and then multiplication in the book of Acts, it happened in the streets. We have allowed this world and its difficulties to shut our mouth. We have allowed this world and the hardships that are out there and the hatred and the persecution that we sometimes face, which is very minor compared to many places in the world. But we have allowed these things to sequester us. You know what that word means? To isolate us. To put us in a box. If you'll look around you, you'll see that you're in a box this morning. Might be a big box. But it's a box. And this is the place that God has called us to minister and thank God for those who are active in ministry and are busy in the church doing things because we need more of those but what God really wants to do is equip people so that when they go out these doors the ministry begins and the world is set on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ and that the lost person will see in you something that they can't find anywhere else in the world. And I understand that we are under attack. I'm under it too but I want to tell you that if you're walking around under an attack and you can't seem to praise the Lord like you want to, you can't seem to find the victory in Jesus that you used to know or the power of God that you used to see in the church house or out of the church house, there's a place that we can find that and it's around these altars and it's on our knees and when I'm calling you to the altar, I'm not getting after you right now, I just want you to understand, when I'm calling you to the altar, it's because I understand the power of a need in prayer before the Lord. I understand the power of that. And if we don't spend time in the presence of the Most High God, we have nothing to offer this world. If we don't spend time alone with Him, we don't have anything to take to this world around us. In His presence is fullness of joy. We're walking around like we've never been in His presence. I'm pastoring you right now. I'm pastoring you. I'm, I'm, I'm shepherding you. I'm talking to, to you as a, as a flock that I love. And I, I'm telling you as a pastor, as a leader, God has called in this house. I'm telling you that we act like we have not ever found joy. That we don't have fullness of joy. We act like it in this house sometimes. And we certainly act like it when we get out of here. And we come in here and it takes us about an hour to where we can even get a smile on our face. And I'm here to tell you that God has something more for you. God wants you to be overflowing with joy. He wants to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. We're walking around with no peace. Our minds are troubled. Our hearts are heavy. Can you say amen? Amen. And I'm telling you that that's not the plan of God. Sure, we're going to have hardships. Sure, we're going to have trials. Sure, we're going to have difficulties. But those things in past generations, and I believe the same is true today, those things when they come, if they drive you to your knees, you'll find a place where there is peace and there is joy and there is power and there is victory. And I'm calling you this morning to a place of prayer, church. We have to be in His presence if we want to change the world around us. I want my life to be an example to the world around me. I want people to say, like I used to hear, I'm not in the public as much, and I understand that that plays a a part. But I want to hear people say, why is it that you always seem happy? Well, let me tell you why. Always be ready to give an answer as to what the reason of hope is that's within you. I want to be to the place where when, when when I'm going through struggles, you know, it's okay. I'm not talking about not being transparent. I'm not talking about making this look like it's something that it's not. I'm talking about telling the truth. I'm talking about speaking speaking the truth. When you're going through difficult times, it's okay to say, I'm going through a hard time. But you know what? We have to realize we're going through a hard time. God has called us to victory. We are the sons and the daughters of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're the head and not the tail. And the word of God says he'll make us the lender, not the borrow. I haven't, I haven't added up to that one yet. I'm not there yet. Right now I'm the borrower, but I know what the Word says. And I want us to understand that if we don't have anything different than what the world has, if we don't look any different to the world, if we don't act any different than the world, if we don't have joy in the middle of terrible times, they're not going to come to ask what hope we have. And I want them to ask me. Are you hearing me this morning if we get on our knees more it might take pushing back a plate and it's something that's very difficult it might be turning the TV off and that might be how you get your relaxation I can sleep so well with a documentary playing I'll tell you what I like I've not done this in a long time but on Sundays after church when I'm tired from preaching and worshiping and jumping and I like to turn on some kind of documentary or some some show where they just talk a whole lot but not, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of high pitched chatter, just you know how a documentary those you know, like that. I can sleep so well during those times. But you know what? Sometimes we have to have to miss some sleep. Sometimes we have to miss some comfort. Sometimes we have, to, we, have to, we have to submit ourselves to the Lord and we have to yield ourselves more to God. And we have to stop allowing everything else to control our time. We have to set aside time to be with the Lord. We need to get into His Word, hear what the Word of God says. I'll tell you the very best thing I have ever had to make me sleepy is reading the Word of God. Now that sounds terrible coming from a pastor. I understand that. I'm being transparent right now. But when I begin to read the Word of God, I get so sleepy. It might be because there's peace there. It might be because the enemy's trying to steal away the seed. But whatever it is, if I'm going to get sleepy on something, why not be the Word of God? And when I wake up refreshed, keep right on going. Don't say, okay, i got to get up now and go. Get back into the Word. I'm telling you this morning, the world needs to see the hope of Jesus Christ in you. They are looking for something in you that they don't see in anybody else. And if we don't have it, where are they going to go to find it? Because there's no other way. Jesus is the only way. He's the world's only hope. Praise you, Lord. Okay, now let's get to the Word. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read that again in the King James Version, and then I want to read it to you from the Amplified because it's so good. I want you to see what it says. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The Amplified says it this way. But in your hearts set apart Christ Set Christ apart, is how it says it. I said it wrong. In your hearts, set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging Him and giving Him first place in your lives as Lord. Notice what this is saying. When it's saying, sanctify the Lord in your hearts, it's saying, set Him apart as sacred. Give Him the number one spot. Put Him on the throne of your heart. Let Him be number one. Make Him Lord. You know what Lord means? Master. Master. He has to have preeminence. But in your heart set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I'm not going to spend a long time on gentleness and respect, but we we need to understand when someone comes to us, we we should treat them with love, with gentleness, with respect, with honor. They should know that when they're coming to us that they're not going to be blasted. You sinner, you're going to hell. And I understand sometimes people need to hear those things, but they don't need that first. They need the love of Jesus Christ to be displayed in our lives. They need to see that Jesus Christ is alive in you. They need to you know I think it's John Maxwell that said they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and there's a lot of truth to that people need to know that you are a lover of God but you also love them and when they say tell me the truth is this okay say no according to the word of God I love you but it's not okay for you to be living in that sin it's not okay for you to be with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or with your you man with your man friend it's not okay it's not okay but I'll tell you what Jesus is real he's alive and he is the one who sets you free and the word of God says who the son sets free is free indeed and you can be free I try not to spit on you Mitch I'm I'm getting pretty excited today my Pentecostal roots are showing this morning (laughs) I want us to understand Christ has set us apart and we need to set him apart. He said, come out, from among you, come out from among the world and be a separate people, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. He has set us apart. He has called us. We are sanctified. We are, we are set apart for his purpose, purpose, for his own special purpose. We are the people of God that he is using in the world today. Not just this crowd, but the church, the body of Jesus Christ, worldwide. And he wants us to set him apart. He wants us to consider him sacred. He wants us to put him in first place. He wants us to acknowledge him as holy, untouched by sin. He wants us to acknowledge him as holy, as sanctified, as set apart in our lives. And if we will live to this to this, if nothing else, if we will just live to this standard, that we will consider God holy in our lives, we will begin to live differently, we'll talk differently. I remember years ago as a child, I was taught that God is with you everywhere. He sees everything you do. He hears everything you say. I'll admit that in the beginning, it was all about fear. I'll tell you that it was for me. I knew I had done something wrong. I got saved at a very early age, but I I knew I'd done something wrong and I didn't want to go to hell and I'd I'd been taught that those who were at odds with God went to hell. And I asked the Lord in my heart at a very young age and I began to try to live my life in, in purity and in holiness and most of the time, if I started to do something wrong, I remembered the Lord is with you. He sees you. He hears everything you say kept me out of a lot of trouble and for a long time I lived that way because of fear and when I say fear I'm talking about being scared of God and there is a place for that if we're unrighteous if we're unholy we should fear be afraid because judgment is coming upon the sons of disobedience but if we've been washed if we've been regenerated, if we're new creatures in Christ and, and the Lord has come into our lives, we should, we should fear Him with holy reverence. I don't, I don't just be good anymore because I'm afraid He's going to cast me into hell. Now I don't want to offend Him. I love Him so much that I don't want to offend Him. I love my wife so much that I don't go out with other women. That's why. Because I love my wife. I love her. And I love my God so much that I don't go after false idols, false gods. You know why? Because I love him. I don't want to offend him. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's master of my life. And I have put him first. And if we will get to the point where we put God first, if we put him to his proper place and put him first, we'll begin to treat him with honor and respect. That's due his name. And I'm telling you this because if we'll get to that place, our lives will change drastically. I love my God, and I serve Him now out of love. I set Him apart, and I'm telling you this morning, we have to set Him apart as holy. We have to sanctify Him in our lives. He has to have first place, not because that we're afraid of Him, but because He's such a good God, and He deserves it. He deserves it. Do you agree with me? He deserves it. Amen. I'm going to shift gears here just a little bit. Lots of things can be said about our influence. we have talking about our relationship with God. Now I want to talk about our influence with others because that's where I'm going with this message. Lots of things can be said about our influence. Influence can have positive or negative effects. And I believe that We can have a positive effect on people, a negative effect on people, or no effect on people at all. And much of the church is operating in that no effect on people at all. Amen? I believe that. There are some churches and some people who have great influence in this world because God is exalted to Lord of their lives that's how you get it more influence in the world with Jesus with God you do it as as him being exalted you know you know we we have had the wrong idea some some ministers some pastors have had the wrong idea they 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 work on they they have ambition so they work on their influence with the people so that they might so that they might grow in a bigger ministry but if you if you start out trying to to get your affirmation from people, you end up having to continue to get your affirmation from people. But if you put God at his rightful place in your life, if he is at the pinnacle of your life and you begin to bless God and and, and worry about what God has to say about it because you're in love with him, then other people will say, hey, I'm drawn to this because I don't have this in my life and I want more of that. And when they see it, you'll have influence with people and you'll have influence with God. If you put people first, you'll have no influence with God. we have the potential to have great influence no influence or little influence and whatever influence we have can be negative or positive I want us to consider that for a few moments if we use our influence to manipulate people that's akin to witchcraft if we use our influence to benefit others, and our influence is used in a self-sacrificing manner, it usually signifies someone who is, who is after the heart of God. Their concern is not with self. Their concern is with others and the will of God. But if, if your concern is you, what will this get me? Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this morning. Giving you some teaching too. If my concern is just about what will this gain me, how will this benefit me, then I'm going to treat you differently. You might not recognize it right away, but you'll begin to see it. You can't hide it. But if my concern is how will this benefit the kingdom of God, how can I be more pleasing to my Father who sent me, then the influence that I have will be a positive influence. Influence is the power of persons or things to be a compelling force or to produce effects on the actions, the behavior, the opinions of other, others. One of the most powerful answers, speaking going back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, one of the most powerful answers that you can give to the questions of the world is often the most compelling influence that you can give to others is the sharing of your story with reference to the Scripture and with the aid of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to stop right there for just a minute because I want us to talk about this. I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a kick right now, and you probably heard me already several times. You've, you've seen it in the newsletter. You've heard it on Wednesday nights if you were there. I'm on a kick right now talking about answers. The world's full of questions. Do you remember back in the late 60s, early 70s? Jesus is the answer. Carried through into the 80s. There was a song. Somebody help me with who did this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Anybody remember that? Andre Crouch is what I thought, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Maybe Larno Harris. We have to realize Jesus is still the answer. Things have changed. Times are hard. We're in perilous times. A few years ago, I believed that we were in the beginning of sorrows. The Bible talks about the beginning of sorrows, and then it talks about perilous times as well. I believed a few years ago we were in the beginning of sorrows. I believe we are at that borderline of we're coming out of the beginning of sorrows and we're going into perilous times. And then there's another another level that's coming. It's called Great Tribulation. We're not in great tribulation in the United States. We're not. We're not in great tribulation, and we're in perilous times. We are in difficult times. But I want you to understand there's something in you, I hope, there's something in you that can give hope to others. There's something in you that can turn the world upside down. You remember the disciples were taken into custody. They were beaten and they were told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were sent back out and they continued to preach in the name of Jesus because there was something in them that they just couldn't keep quiet. Jeremiah called it a fire that shut up in my bones. There must be something in us that stirs us and tells us that the world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're being quiet, there's not enough in us. One of the most powerful answers you can give to the questions, and the world is full of questions and As a matter of fact, the church is full of questions. And let me tell you, those of you who know Jesus Christ, Jesus is the answer, and his word is full of answers. Let me say it again. One of the most powerful answers that you can give those with questions is often also the most compelling influence you can have on others. It is the sharing of your story with reference to the Scripture and with the aid of the Holy Spirit. What am I talking about? Now turn to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. I'm going to read from verse 1 down through verse 32. And that's a long stretch of reading. But I, I want you to know this story. And I want you to read it and I want you to know where it's at. I'm going to be reading from, I think I'm reading from the New King James Version. And I want you to see what I've just said. I want you to see that some of the most compelling influence that we can have is our sharing our story with reference to the scriptures and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul does here when he's preaching to King Agrippa and some others. Acts chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. Do you remember 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15? Always be ready to give an answer for those who have a question, I'm par- paraphrasing, of the reason of the hope that's within you. If if someone says, "Okay, tell tell me about it. Talk about it to me. Or why are you why are you so hopeful? Why are you smiling so much?" Okay, let me tell you. And he goes on to say He stretched he goes on to say he stretched out his hand and he answered for himself. Verse 2 I think myself happy King Agrippa because today I shall answer for myself because or before you concerning all the things which I am accused of by the Jews especially because you are an expert in the in all the customs and the questions which have to do with the Jews therefore I beg you to hear me patiently my manner of life from the youth okay here starts his story the apostle Paul is telling his story my manner of life From my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They know how I've lived. They know who I am. They know what I've said. They know what I've done. They know where I learned. They know I sat at the foot of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, And and they know me. Verse 5. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Verse 6, and now I stand and I am judged for the, for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. I want you to notice verse 6 here. I have it underlined because I want you to see something special. He's telling his story and he references the scripture. There's a promise that was given in the old covenant. As a matter of fact, there were lots of promises. He said, I'm, I'm judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. They're holding against me that, I have, that I, am, I have hope that the promise that was given us of a Messiah to come has already come. I have hope that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the scriptures. He's referring back to what was prophesied in the old covenant of the coming of the Messiah and the setting up of a new covenant. Verse 7, to this promise our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. Our people, he's also including what's going on around him, our people hope to attain to that promise. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints. I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief, the chief priests. When they were put to death, speaking of the Christians, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Thus, while occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king. Here's more of his story. This is continuing his testimony, continuing his story. Verse 13, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. This is his conversion experience. How many of you remember the day that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ made him Lord of your life? That's what Paul's telling about. Verse 14, And when all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? Notice the capital L. I point that capital L out to you a lot of times. He's speaking to God, and he knows who it is. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But arise... And stand on your feet, for I have prepared you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. Notice in verse 16, the Lord says that he had appeared to him... For this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things that you have seen and the things that I will yet reveal to you. God wants to reveal to you more than he has already revealed to you, but what he has already shown you, he wants you to be a minister and a witness of. Amen? Amen. Verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those that are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works benefiting or befitting repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. He's referring to the Scripture again. Pointing back to the Scripture. He's telling his testimony, and he's pointing back to the Scripture. Verse 23, that Christ would suffer and that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and that, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Paul said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. I want you to consider... What, what what's being said here before i go on festus who was who was a who was a governor at at the time who was there and he was a, he was there a part of of the, the 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 political scene the king was agrippa but festus was a governor if i'm not mistaken on that they called it a pro what's the word procurate i think but he was he was there and he said to paul you are a, you're a madman You're talking crazy stuff. I want you to understand that everybody you talk to, everybody that you try to influence won't necessarily receive what you have to say. You should know that. You should know that when you talk to somebody about the Lord, that very often they're going to say, you're a crazy person, you're a crazy man. If they come into this house and see me dancing around, they might think I'm a crazy man on Sunday morning. But it's okay if everybody doesn't see the truth that you have. The Word of God tells us that some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. My word, what I speak to someone, doesn't have to be the one that, that, that brings them to Jesus Christ. But I cannot be silent. If they think I'm crazy, then it's okay for them to think I'm crazy. I'm in good company if I'm in the, in the company of Apostle Paul. I cannot be ashamed of the gospel. I cannot be ashamed to tell my story. Because I was lost. And now I'm found. I was on my way to hell. And he turned me around and now I'm on my way to heaven. I was poor and sick and weak. And now I'm rich beyond measure. And I'm whole and I'm healed. And I'm on the path that will lead me to heaven. The path of righteousness. And if they think I'm crazy, it's okay. I'm not afraid of that. If you're watching me by Periscope right now this morning and you think I'm crazy, it's okay. I'm not crazy. I'm in good company. I hope that you're not ashamed. I'm not saying that you are. I'm just. i saying I hope that you're not ashamed. Don't worry about what everybody thinks so much. Don't worry about it. We sometimes get so carried away, worried what everybody thinks, that we get to the place where we think that we have to be just so-so. You know, the, the common phrase is politically correct. We have to be politically correct. If I say this, I'm going to hurt the feelings of someone who believes that. You know what? I don't have to declare anything except what Jesus has already declared. And I'm siding with him. And if it's not politically correct and you don't like it, that's too bad. Because I've sided with Jesus. And if that makes me a madman in your eyes, it's okay. Paul said, I am not a madman, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before me whom I also freely speak, speak freely, knows these things. The king knows these things. He has the information. He's privy, privy to these facts. He knows that, he knows what our people are about. He knows where we came from. He knows the prophecies. He, he knows that there, there, was, there was a prophecy of a Messiah that was to come. He knows these things. And I'm convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. And when he says that, I think he's talking about his life, how he had been one who was a persecutor of those around him. It's not escaping his attention. He, he knows about what I've done. He knows that I was, I was very strict as a Pharisee and that I persecuted Christians. He knows about these things because they were common knowledge. And I was one of the lead people telling the world that Jesus Christ was a fraud, and a charlatan. But now... I've had an experience, and I know I was talking the wrong thing, and this king knows about this stuff. Okay? And he said, none of this escapes his attention since the thing was not done in a corner. I've got to pause right there for just a minute. We can't live our lives in a corner, we can't live our lives in a box. God won't fit in a box. We're the people of God. If we live up to his calling on our lives, we won't fit in a box either. Amen? Can't live in a corner. Verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Verse 28, getting to my point here. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. You almost persuade me to to become a Christian. You had Festus, who thought he was a madman. But you had Agrippa, who knew that he was speaking the truth, and almost was persuaded to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today, might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these change chains. He was saying, I, I, I wish that you would be so convinced, that you would be so convinced that you would be sold out. Sold out. Remember that? Remember that saying, sold out? We got to be sold out. We were bought with a price. I don't belong to the devil anymore. I don't belong to the world anymore. I don't belong to myself anymore. I'm sold out. Verse 30, when he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked amongst themselves, saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death nor chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed, uh, appealed to Caesar. I want us to understand here, Paul brought forth his testimony of his encounter with Jesus. Paul told about how his life had changed. How his life had gone from one extreme to another. How he had had gone from from believing in the, the Jewish religion to believing in relationship with God through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He gave witness and he also spoke of the fulfillment of scriptures. He spoke of the word. He made reference to the word of God. The Bible tells us to study, to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We should know the word of God. You don't have to know it all to be a witness though. Don't let the devil say you don't know enough scripture to tell people about Jesus. Tell them your story. Refer to the scripture. Refer to the word of God. Have some scripture written down or carry a Bible with you like we used to do a generation or two ago and just show them here's what the word says because faith Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But I want you to understand that your story makes a difference and that story has an influence on the people around you. If they see that you have changed, if they see you're not who you used to be, if they see that God has brought you out of darkness into His marvelous light, if they see that you've gone from from terrible turmoil to peace and joy, they say, I want to have what you have. Be ready. Be ready. To give an answer, he pointed to the scriptures of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of prophecy. If you today would look at what the Word of God says and then look at the news, you have plenty of fulfillment of prophecy to point to today. My neighbors here, we talk about prophecy quite often. We talk about how the the world is and what shape the world is and how it's getting worse and worse. And we talk about how it was all foretold and how all of this was was according to the plan of God. God doesn't want us to be distant from Him, but God knew we would be distant from Him. And we talk about these things and and we we converse with one another. And I want you to understand, this this is my brother here, and and I appreciate that time that we talk together, but I can't just talk about it to brothers. And I can't just talk about it to sisters. And I can't just come into the house of the Lord. Lord and talk about the goodness of god or the mercy of god or the joy of the lord or the fullness of his spirit i can't just talk about these things in the presence of other christians and in the house of the lord because there's a world out there that's looking for what i've got and they're dying and they're on their way to hell and somebody needs to have an answer and jesus is still the answer today one hearer, one hearer festus the governor said that Paul was mad with too much learning, and one hearer said almost, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. as I was studying this and as I was preparing and I prepared this a long time ago, but i was I was revisiting it yesterday. I considered a lot of things sometimes we feel like we're on trial. The Apostle Paul was on trial. sometimes we feel like we're on trial, especially when we're talking to people that don't know God. They'll ask you questions to try to trip you up. They'll ask you questions that they think you may not be able to answer. And you know what? You don't have to have all of the answers. I believe that the answers are available in the Word of God, but you don't have to have all of the answers to point them to the answer. Jesus is the answer. I, I can't tell you I can't tell you everything that that will satisfy you as to why so and so died of, of this or that and they didn't receive healing when they said they had faith. I can't tell you all those things i can't I, I might not be able to tell you to your satisfaction why. Children suffer in the world. I I have it in my heart, what, what I believe. And I think it's because we live in a fallen world. And we'll talk more about that in the future. But I want you to understand, they might not accept your answer. It doesn't really matter if they accept your answer. What matters is that we have been called by God to go into all this world and preach the gospel to every creature, every bit of creation, every person. And we might feel like we're on trial, as Paul did. You know what? We have a counselor. We have an advocate. Jesus is called our advocate. He's called our counselor. He's our judge, but he's also our legal aid, our defense. He's our lawyer. I don't have to worry about what someone thinks. I have to tell them the truth. I have to speak the truth. I have to speak the truth whether they think I'm a madman or I almost persuade them or perhaps altogether persuade them. I sat in my office years ago. I'm guessing this was about seven years ago. I sat in my office and I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with a man who had never heard the gospel and he was probably ten years older than me never heard the gospel you can't just when you're sharing the gospel with somebody who had never heard the gospel you, you can't just quote scriptures and, and, and we need the word don't get me wrong but they need, they need more than just King James English to, to understand and, and they need to hear the word of God coming through us and I pointed him to scripture don't get me wrong I used the scripture but I told him the story I told it in the form of, of the story I told him how God created man and he walked with man in the cool of the day in the garden of Eden and he had relationship with him and he, 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 he blessed man and he told, man, only thing I only thing I, I don't want you to do is don't eat from the fruit that's in the middle of the garden. And what did we do? We were disobedient to God, and we did just exactly what God told us not to, and that's what sin is. Anything that's displeasing to God. And I laid a foundation, and I began to tell him more and more about all... I, I took him through history. I did somewhat of what Paul, the Apostle Paul did. I took him through history. I told him how... God raised up a people. People were at odds with him. And and there was a man, first of all, there was a man who was faithful to God. His name was Noah. And the the world was so far away from God, and they were so, so hard-hearted that God destroyed the world and started over with this man. But again, man started to turn away after they multiplied. They began to turn away from God. And God finally separated to himself a people called Israel. I'm just giving you a quick overview. I talked to him a long time. And God raised together, put together a people And out of that people, he raised up a Messiah. But Now this man was not just an ordinary man. This man was all man, and he was all God. Back in the garden, man gave away the authority. So man had to take it back. So Jesus, who was a man, faced Satan and was victorious. And he was victorious because he was God. He didn't sin because he was God but he faced temptation because he was man and I told him this whole story and I went through all of it and I said Jesus who had never sinned the word told us and I I missed a lot of this but the word told us in in Genesis that the soul that sins must surely die and Jesus took my sin upon him even though he had never sinned and he died he took my punishment and he can take yours if you'll place your sin upon him Death didn't have any right to hold Jesus because the soul that sins must surely die, and his soul had never sinned. He died for my sins. He took my punishment, so death didn't have a right to hold him, but because he took my punishment, now death doesn't have a right to hold me. Amen? I shared this gospel with him. He said, I have never in my life heard such a story. Never heard anything like this. But I want this Savior I want to know him. And he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ right back here in this corner, sitting around a table. I want you to understand that a story is powerful. Your story is powerful. I didn't even tell my story. I told mankind's story. But it's powerful. Point to the scripture. Point to the word. Take them to Jesus. Because this world is starving for what we have. You know what? We're not acting a whole lot better than the world because we act like we're starving. (laughs) Do you remember the old song from years ago, Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitudes, turned the water into wine, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. We have been called to a table of plenty. If you don't have the reason of hope that you can share with others, you're not spending enough time with God. I'm just being honest right now. If you're spending enough time with Him, you'll have an answer. Your answer doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect yet. We think we have to be perfect. We think we have to know it all. We think we have to have all the right things to say. No. You just have to be obedient. It's God's job to save the person. It's not yours. It's your job to be a witness. It's your job to take part in the ministry of reconciliation. I talk about this a lot, and I'm going to throw it at you very very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through 20, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others knowing, or God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too, we are commending ourselves to you again. No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If we seem we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. This is another scripture talking about being crazy or appearing crazy before the world. It's to bring glory to God. If we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. And He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from the human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know we must know him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us the task of reconciling people unto him. New King, or the King James Version says God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says for God was in Christ reconciling the word, world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us through you, through me, through us we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God we have to be ready you know I've, I've got so many more notes I could preach to you another hour but I'm not going to How many of you know that there are a lot, there's a lot of questions. You might not have all the answers. You might have lots of questions yourself. There are a lot of questions. I want us to understand God, and I talked about this on Wednesday night. God does not expect us to just blindly believe. God wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants you to know His truth. If I can have the worship team come. The Bible says, faith is the substance, say substance, substance. faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has substance, and faith has evidence. God's asking for faith, but he's not asking for you to just have no substance or no evidence. Faith always provides substance and evidence, and the substance is the Word of God. And the evidence comes when we attach ourselves to the Word of God. You'll see it. See it. Stand to your feet. Sometimes I feel like I have more questions than I have answers. Anybody there? You know what? It's okay. My God has all the answers. He has all the answers. I want us to understand we don't have to have every answer but the word tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to always be ready to give the reason of the hope that's within you. How many of you know that God is God is giving us opportunity God's giving us opportunity. He's, he's saying, I'm going to provide some opportunity, and some people are going to ask you what it is that gives you this hope. He's, he's giving us opportunity. He gave the Apostle Paul opportunity as, as he was arrested and taken before the king, King Agrippa. Well, I, I don't want that kind of opportunity. Well, maybe we should want that kind of opportunity. Whatever it is, we have to be willing. God, it might be difficult. It might take us into some hard places. God, you've called us to be your people. You've called us as ambassadors, and this world around us is on their way to hell, and somebody has to share. And I want to encourage you this morning to always be ready. You don't have to know Everything that you should say in any given situation. We want to be ultra prepared. Uber is the word today. We want to be uber prepared. I want us to understand we don't we don't need to, to know it all. We just need to be obedient. You know your story. You know your story better than anybody. Grab you a few scriptures that go along with your story. It talks about how Jesus saved you leverage set you free grab you a few scriptures and learn those or write them down put them in your pocket carry them around in your wallet your purse get you a bible highlight some mark in it it's okay apply these things to your heart and when somebody says what is it that gives you this hope say well i made some notes to talk to you today you knew you were going to talk to me i knew god was going to give me an opportunity i didn't know it was you but here's what i wrote down and here's what i want to tell you Let me tell you my story, and I want to show you how it applies to this right here. Some of them will say, you're mad. Much learning has driven you mad. Going to that church where that pastor is so crazy has driven you mad. Some of them will say, I'm almost persuaded. Some of them will say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know him how can I get to know him